Hello everyone! Welcome to a new edition of the Atari 1200XL show. I'm your good buddy, Atari Aaron. Just for this show anyway. Joined by a man who loves the Atari. Your good buddy, the Brent. So, welcome. Uh, we're back again, Brent, for another uh, edition of the old 1200XL. I think we've got an interesting and thought-provoking uh, topic and game for today's show. Involving uh, pinball. Uh, Brent, uh, but before we get to that, I want to touch base with you uh, on uh, pinball a as a genre of games uh, before it came to computers and consoles, when it was just in the arcades. Uh, do you recall when you were first introduced to the pinball machine, uh, and do you have your what are your earliest memories of playing physical pinball? I did not play physical pinball uh until the 90s. Really? I, I do not recall playing any 80s era pinball. That surprises I don't know me. If, yeah, I don't know if mom and dad wouldn't let me. I don't know if uh, if it was just not available in the, in the places I went. But I don't remember any 80 eras pinball from the, from the 80s. Uh, but of course, I always frequented arcades. Uh, and uh, Adam's family is really the first pinball machine I remember getting deep into and, and playing over and over and over and over. I believe that one came out in uh, 92, didn't it, Brent? It's, yeah, somewhere in there, mm -hmm. yeah. And But from the 80s, I don't know. I guess I was always attached to the video side of the arcade. You know, it's funny uh, because pinball machines really did become sort of scarce in the uh, mid to late 80s, when the arcades were more inundated with, with the bigger money makers, easier to maintain our video arcade machine. But as a kid, uh, when arcade machines were much rarer, uh, I saw a ton of pinball machines. And also a lot of just the electromechanical machines, your baseballs, your little flight simulator things where you move the helicopters and stuff around, a lot of that stuff, a lot of the shooting gallery stuff. Uh, that stuff was a lot more prevalent back in those days. But pinball was always around, you know. It's something I always remember seeing, uh, if not playing. Uh, you know, it's funny. The first machines I really remember playing a lot would have been your early 80s machines. Because, I mean, uh, frankly, uh, it's not like West Virginia had a plethora of arcades in the <laughs> 70s. Those things really popped up in the 80s. And so it's not like I could get out to I mean, really, most of the pinball machines were in pool halls. Uh, it's not like in the 80s where you could go to the grocery store and you could see them. But there were a few places that had pinball machines in the early 80s. And one I've mentioned this before, but one I remember playing quite a bit was Gorgar, uh, which was a great pinball machine. I believe that's a Williams. And it it had great speech. Gorgar, want, you know, you know that he would talk. I always thought it was a real colorful, beautiful. It had a real hot chick on the cover, big Conan-looking guy, big demon. Great machine. Still one of my faves. And But it's funny, even that machine had sort of made the jump to digital because it had the ability to flip chimes on and off back when they weren't sure if a pinball machine would be accepted if they took the chimes out and if they put in like a processing unit to do the audio, uh, which is kind of funny to think about. Uh, so even myself, I mean, I know I played pinball before that, but I don't have any uh, grand recollections of like particular tables and whatnot uh, from back then. Now, let me ask you this. All that said... When was the first time you played video pinball, Brent? Uh, you know, again, 
where I was not a big pinball player to begin with, and video pinball had no appeal to me. Zero appeal. I mean, to be completely honest, even now, uh, video pinball is just outside of some virtual reality aspects of, of video pinball where you can actually lean over the table and line up shots. And even then, um, pinball to me needs to be physical. You need to be able to smack the side of the machine. You need to be able to uh, uh, really get down low and look. And you just can't do that in video pinball. Uh, so I've never been a big fan of video pinball. It's funny, but you know, I of course uh, I knew people in the family that had uh, Atari twenty six hundreds back in the day, and they had. I remember the first time I played video pinball was on an Atari twenty six hundred. The video pinball from the twenty six hundred, which is horrible. You know, I mean, really not a. It's vaguely reminiscent of a pinball machine, but that's the best you could say about it. Uh, but that was the first time I saw it. And and then uh, there was steady improvement from there. It seems like almost every machine, every console had their own pinball program. I mean, the Fairchild Channel F had one. The Intellivision had one. Everyone had one. But I think uh, it took a while for people to understand how to proper... And also the, the power had to be there. But it took a while for people to understand what a, a pinball on a, on a computer or a console should be like. Uh, as yeah. opposed to just having something where you hit the ball up in the air... And hope something happens. I remember the uh, the NES had a a, a good quality uh, port of a pinball machine. It was based on an actual pinball machine. It was I think it was Pinbot. And this yep. was, now granted was this great shakes, but I mean compared to a lot of other stuff, this was like unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and, and when you talk about when you get into your pinball fantasies, yeah, and pinball dreams, even the, the Amiga, the, yeah. yeah, those type of games. Then I'm starting to get on board. Yeah, that was right? those were mind blowing. Those those games, I mean, uh, 21st century. Those guys that that was all uh, that was all the top shelf pinball. Amiga had that cornered, and then eventually Epics sort of caught up with their their Epics pinball series. And then of course now, pinball has really uh, come a long way since then uh, with uh, the with the, all the virtual tables that you can play, like you said, the virtual reality tables plus the uh, virtual tables you can play, like you know, like where they put a TV in, a, in an actual pinball case. Uh, yeah, they've done a good job. Well, of course, a lot of that it comes down to emulate the DMDs and just technology advanced. There's a lot of stuff that's different. Now, one more thing I want to touch on before you got to the main topic: Have you ever played one of the arcade pinball machines that's comprised entirely of of a uh, of a monitor? Have you ever seen one of these? Uh, no, I have not. I actually no. played one of these. I believe this was an early '80s machine where they were trying to sort of capture the uh, video game. Uh, uh, ease of use, I think, in a pinball game. And this game sucked. I mean, it was horrible. They couldn't give it away. Uh, but it was a full-size yeah. pinball machine with a monitor in it. You know, it was no good. You know, but they, they tried. But and they, The thing with pinball, especially 80s virtual pinball, is people don't realize how hard gravity is to calculate. Yeah, and if you don't have good physics in a pinball machine, you have pachinko. Yeah, and no one wants to play <laughs> pachinko pinball. That's true. That's true. So let's go ahead and get into it, Branster. Uh, the game we chose to look at this week, and I, I'm guessing you never heard of this one, Brent. Uh, nope. But so I've sort of introduced it to him. 
But uh, this one is called Dave's Midnight Magic, Brent. Now, Dave's yes. Midnight Magic it was a game that really came out of nowhere back in the day. I remember when this came out. Uh, this rolled out in 1982. An Apple and the Atari 8-bit version came out the same year. This started on the Apple, which so many of the Apple, so many games start on the Apple too. And this is another one. Uh, the programmer of this game, David Snyder, uh, he, he on the Atari he had done a game called uh, Serpentine. Uh, this game actually got multiple releases on the Atari. We'll get to that in a little while. This also came out in '83 on the C64. Uh, this game had multiplayer. You could play multiple players on it, a hot seat. And this pinball machine is probably, in my reckoning, the first ever video pinball machine that didn't totally suck. Uh, and there are reasons for that. Uh, because when when Dave Schneider uh, released it, and it was published by Broderbun, I found, some, I found an interview with Dave, and Dave basically said... He knew he wanted to do a pinball machine, but he didn't want to go out and just make lay a dud because he wasn't good at making pinball machines. Uh, obviously, it's not it's not easy to do as we've seen. We've, you know, if you ever play a real pinball machine, you know what a good one is and what a good one's not. And so, what he did was base his machine on an existing property uh, that was uh, popular at the time, and that existing property was from Williams, and it was called Black Knight. Now. Uh, have you played this pinball machine? I'm sure you have. Right? Oh, absolutely. Black Knight is a classic. What do you think of this one? I'm actually... I think it is uh, overrated just because people rate it so high, but I, I, there's no denying it's a great pinball machine. All right. Yeah, it's a good one. It's got all the great sound effects. Williams... Listen, Williams were the master of pinball. There, I don't think anyone's yeah. going to say that. I mean, they're... When you ask people, what was the number one all-time pinball company? They're going to say Williams, if they know what they're talking about. And so, Williams uh, Williams puts out a good machine. This was popular. And so, David was like, well, let's see what we can do. And so, if you look here, uh, David's Midnight Magic, the layout of the field. If you look, if you're watching this video at home, on the right, we've got the Black Knight uh, table. And you can see... Uh, it's very similar. Similar outlines. The t one thing that sets Black Knight apart was the upper play field that you had to access through a couple ramps, and then you've got uh, drop targets in various corners. They're all matched up perfectly on Midnight Magic. I mean, I'll give, yeah. I'll give him credit. He it, he did a good job adapting the, the uh, Black Knight to a television screen, didn't he? Here's the thing. He doesn't. He didn't take inspiration from Black Knight. He straight up ripped off the table. Well, he he admits it though. I mean, he admits <laughs> it. And I mean, really, I don't think I don't think there was ever. I, I didn't read or find anything in my studies where there was any sort of legal action. So, well, I no, I wouldn't think there would be. It, but uh, it, there's no question that this is a 100 percent uh, video representation of Black Knight. The funny thing is that I found I just struck me as funny, uh, especially coming from Atari. You know, uh, he picks a Black Knight table, and then, of course, this gets apported to Atari, and eventually Atari, like, publishes later on for the XEGS, but Atari made pinball machines. <laughs> they had plenty yeah. of pinball machines. They Now, ask pinball aficionados what they think of Atari machines. They're probably not going to like them that much, frankly, <laughs> uh, because they didn't. They were, I can't think of any standout Atari. Can you? I, I can't either. They did, the I, think they did that, I think they did. Uh, did, did they do Hercules? Wasn't that one of theirs? Uh, that, that's not a standout pinball. Well, machine. I didn't say it was, but it, it is known for being huge. You know, <laughs> they did some. They did that some huge pinball machines. 
uh, but they didn't necessarily do good ones. Uh, but he, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. And this was, and I agree with you, by the way. I, I, this isn't my favorite machine. Actually, I like. I think I like Black Knight 2000 better uh, than this. But I mean, this one. Mm, I wouldn't go that. Far. This one's still fun. It's the objectives are clear, and and they're the same. On Days of Midnight Magic, as they were in the, on the on the regular pinball machine, you want to you want to shoot your balls in, into the area where they become trapped and, and captured, and then you eventually want to trigger the multi ball by pushing your ball through a little uh, end ramp that uh, sets on the bottom playfield, and that releases whatever balls you've got stored up in the ball capture. So yes, this does have multi ball. Yes, yeah. this this machine. Uh, kept track of bonuses. They kept track of uh, things that, you know, in Black Knight, you've got things that can protect your outlanes. This had those as well. It also had signals that would come up on the board that would show you, that would point to stuff, that would light up and say, do this, do that. It had representations of drop targets. Uh, it had things that you need to play a proper pinball game with a rule set. You know, because I think one of the things that has happened to pinball from back in those days is that they just... They were a lot like Pachinko with flippers, weren't they? You just sort of hit the yeah. falling ball, and it makes stuff spin and go ding. You know, and that was because the people that made these tables didn't know anything about pinball, did they? Yeah, pinball is an art. I mean, to, to line up, and, and the thing is, it's an art and a science because there's a lot of math that goes into creating a good pinball table. I mean, you have to have good graphics, you have to have good sound, you have to have, you know an exciting property of some sort. But at the end of the day, to have a good pinball machine, you have to have a good layout, and a good layout means math. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think that they can just throw some stuff on a play field, uh, you know, put a bell on it and call it a, get, call it a day. Yeah. But you're, you're, the people who make your standout pinball machines and aren't just one-off flukes that can do it consistently, it, it's an art. And they they know the math behind the shots. Yeah, that's true. And they know what works. Well, a lot of it's just from experience too. It's funny when I found an interview with David, uh, who put this together, and he mentions that like when he finally got this sold, uh, and Broderbun was going to uh, was going to put it out there. Broderbun had twelve employees at the time when he when he got this sold. And he knew he had a hit on his hands when he said the first week someone came in and they ordered 2,000 copies, which that's a ton wow. of copies. This is 82, mind you. Yeah, that's uh, when insane. Able, and so this guy literally blew up, and he was surprised as anybody. <laughs> it was like, hey, and I'll tell you something. Uh, this game was, po I remember this distinctly, and you got to remember, in 82, I was, only, uh, I was only 11 years old. But I remember this game. It was everywhere. And keep in mind, there was no internet. It was like crap. It was all magazines. You know, and you saw ads for this all the time. And people had it. You saw it on the store shelves. I mean, this was a very, this was a very popular game. And I would certainly tell you it was the first game, pinball game, that really blew up. And he knocked this sucker out in about six to eight months. So not too bad. And I, again, he, had, he was smart enough and wise enough to steal a, a good... Uh, well thought out machine, and that made a big difference. And of course, it, that got him poured into a bunch of stuff uh, over and over. Now, I want to talk about we since this is the Atari twelve hundred XL show. I want to talk about the sort of second printing of this game. The first printing of this, the first run that came to the eight bits in eighty two, 
one of the funny features on it is it had a pop bumper up in the middle of the playfield with an apple on it, which yeah. is funny. And in fact, when I first played, loaded this up, I hadn't played this thing forever. And I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute, did I load the Apple II version of this? No, you didn't. You loaded the right one. So, an another thing that this had when it was released in A2 was that you played this with you know, with paddles. You didn't play it with the uh, with the joysticks. So, you had to have paddles to play it. And because it had a it had a tilt feature, effectively, that you could use. Now, if you whacked the space bar, I, I, I don't know, if you, did you get that? To, did you try tilting the thing? I never got that that part of it to yeah. work. The uh, uh, the re-release or the second release in '87 for the XEGS. Which, by the way, this is when I say it was released for the XEGS. It came in the XEGS packaging, the XEGS labels, the whole nine yards. It was also made so you could play it with joysticks. But they in that release they changed the pop bumper from an Atari or from a Apple symbol to an Atari logo. So you've they've, they at least corrected for that. Good call. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I was stunned that that got. That they got put out, <laughs> you know, with that on there. Um, of course, the XEGS was doomed. Now, I want you to ponder something for a minute. Uh, this game got re-released for the XEGS in 87, Brent. That's insane. What do you think about that? I mean, it, what was the landscape like in 87 to release something like this? I mean, it boggles the mind. I, I, you can see how these would not sell. Uh, yeah. Very many copies to 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 think that I mean it's so archaic. This is a this was five years old at that time when it came out. You know it's a, it's amazing to me. And if you look now, granted, uh, most of your real hardcore pinball games, your pinball dreams, whatnot, they were still five years away. So yeah, it wasn't a yeah. complete joke, but it was still absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. And I can't imagine they sold too many of those in eighties. But by God, they did get released. I should mention that the. Uh, if you're looking for this, the uh, uh, the version that was released in '87, the uh, serial on it's RX8083, and it's not that rare. So they, sh which that's no surprise. I found that most of the XL games aren't the or the uh, XEG games aren't that rare. You can find a lot of them in box. You know, I came across a couple and I wasn't even looking. So there's, <laughs> but I've got an XEGS, so it's kind of fun to to occasionally look for them. So, Brent, now, uh, what did you think of when the when I played this? Yeah. I was, I was, uh, uh, like I said, I'm not a big fan of this type of of video pinball uh, because it always feels clunky. And when I when I looked at the table and the table looks barren, as in there's not graphics on the table. I was like, here we go. Yep. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna struggle through this crap. Yep. And what made it worse was I, the, I couldn't figure out the buttons right away. Yeah. So I had to hunt and peck and figure out what did what and how to actually shoot the, you know, plunger the ball and whatnot. So I, going into it, I was already frustrated. And when I plunged my first ball, it goes around the loop at the top and straight down the drain. And I was like. Okay, so I plunge the next ball. Exact same thing happens. If you don't hit anything, the ball shoots, goes around the top part of the the play field, and drains every single time. So I was like, man, I actually stepped away from it. I was like, I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to come back and give this give this another shot. Once I started playing it. I was amazed at how uh, efficient and 
well thought out the physics in this game is. Is it perfect? Of course not. Nothing from this year is going to be perfect. However, when the ball would roll, it would pick up momentum, and you could do some things in this that you do an actual pinball. Like uh, lane transfer passes, where you actually just roll it off the top of your flipper onto the other side. Uh, you couldn't do uh, 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 where you bounce it off the, the rubbers at the bottom. But you could post-transfer. That's what I was trying to think of. But you could do different types of flipper transfers to get it to the flipper you wanted. And that got me very excited. So I played this game for a very long time. And I I was desperate to get a three-ball three multi-ball, and I, was, I never pulled it off. It is possible. It is in the game. I know it is. Yep. But I was never personally able to get more than two uh, because the shot to lock the boss is incredibly difficult. You have to get and a good bounce game, off that pop bumper uh, or just get a really fortunate flip off that right upper bumper. You know, right, yeah, or, well, you uh, can flip it in. It's just very difficult. Yeah. You, the ball has to be going the right most speed of the time, everything else. Most of the time for me, it would I would I would whack it with the upper left flipper. It would bounce into the pop bumper and shoot through into that lane. That's what I most of the time... Every once in a while, I could, I could hit it in with the flipper, but it was a real tough shot. But the nice thing about this game, over even video pinballs that is produced today, is the shots aren't canned. It's not like if you shoot it close to the hole that magical gravity forces are going to pull it through the hole. No, you don't get any of that. There is no, well, we know what you were going for. The game helps you out. You have to get it there. I mean, you might get a lucky bounce. I'm not saying that. But so often in video pinball, uh, in, in old video pinball and new video pinball, you would shoot something close trying to go up a ramp or close trying to get into a hole and the game would just give it, it to would you suck it and up it would in just there, yeah. pull it in there this game does not do that which makes it incredibly difficult but doubly incredibly satisfying when you pull off something you're trying to do uh, I racked up some pretty good scores on this I, I think my best was like 180,000 and it felt good I really enjoyed my time with this game. And this is something that if I had an icon on my desktop, uh, you know how like Space Cadet, the built-in Windows pinball, yeah. I, I would play that every now and again just because it was something to do. If I had a, a an icon on my desktop that I could double-click and get this to come up, and you can sort of with web pages and stuff, where you can play one quick game and then get out of it, I would do that. And I'm going to do that because I really enjoyed my time with this. On a genre of game that I have no interest in, I found this to be incredibly appealing. I find that I'm surprised to hear that. I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, my take on it is this. If you ever wondered what it would be like to have a pinball table on top of one of those electric football tables, this is the answer right here. Because you know the ones that shake the little guys across the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you this ball is electric. I mean, it's it, this thing's juiced. It wants to, to move. The gills. There's no when question you, when about When you it. do a ball, when you hold the ball in your flipper, it shoots around it, yeah. like it's uh, ready to explode. It's I mean, it's a Mexican jumping bean of balls. 
and that which is it's lively the the gravity in this is it's a, it plays fast it, yeah. and and you're right you the, the first of all the the uh the gap between the two flippers is too wide or they they could at least I would love to have a peg there or something because this thing's a drain machine and you know I'm right here it drains down that center it's hard yeah. it's very it's hard. not so bad on the outlanes because they're they're hard to get to but that center lane that's brutal so it's a drainer on top of that shot making is not easy and part of the reason is because that ball's jumping around it makes it hard to take a precise skilled shot uh, with all that, and of course, yes, the playfield's blank. But there was a method to the madness of the playfield, which is that's where they that with the blank playfield that leaves them open to put in indicators, arrows, instructions yeah. on there, and it works because you we got to play the hand you're dealt on these things. Uh, in terms of what he took from uh, uh, Black Knight, does it have the lower uh, loop? Yes. Does it have the upper flippers in the correct spots? Yes. Does it have the capture multi-ball? Yes. Multi-ball. Is this this could be the first home video game that ever had three-ball multi-ball or four-ball multi-ball? Uh, it, it's got uh, it's got all the things you would expect. It's got the drop targets in the right spot. I mean, he had this. He had to make this thing fit, and he did a pretty good job, really. Yeah. So, as a translation of of of, of the. Uh, Black Knight game. I mean, this is pretty darn good, you know, but there are plenty of things I don't like. I can't imagine what he was thinking when he had you use the, uh, use the uh, paddles, and if and one verse, that's that's a bizarre, not every computer owner had those paddles. You know, and yeah, you, and I, that, that didn't make any sense either. Yeah, that's bizarre to me. Uh, I will, I should mention that on the, uh, on the later Atari uh, XEGS release, they got rid of the Daves, so it's David's, it's just Midnight Magic, so they, he lost his he lost his name on the second one. I like the idea that the guy that made it put his name in. I like the fact that he's sorta I mean, the table's not flashy or anything, but I mean if you consider the time it was released and what came before it, it's the flashiest table of all time. It's got <laughs> cursive writing, it's got uh four player support, it's got a lot of stuff going for it. What I go It has a bonus count up. Yeah. As you roll over things, you get bonus, yeah. and it, it displays it as this big number off to the side, and it is incredibly satisfying yeah. to watch that score tick up when you lose your ball, and you're getting that those big bonuses, and you're getting the times two and times three and four and five, is, and it just counts yeah. it and then resets and counts it and resets. So And that's satisfying. the way you feel when you play actual pinball. You know? yes. and so that's a good thing. I like the fact that he put in... I love the fact that he put in all the indicators. Because that's... The, who would have thunk that would happen? You know, and plenty of... And it's it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're... He put in the same ones that are in the, in the uh, pinball machine in the arcade. You know, the Black Knight. Because they tell you where you need to go. Okay, this right here will... You know, if the air is pointing towards your outlane, you could you could turn on your your basically... In the arcade, it's a magna save. If you... Uh, if, you if the air is pointing up the... Uh, tunnel lane that means you can release a ball you know it, it lets you know what you're supposed to be doing and the rest of it's pretty self-explanatory get the ball caught i mean once you play this once you'll know what you're doing i didn't find it as difficult to get the ball to the upper play field in this it is as it is on black knight i thought black knight was it's always been a pain in the butt to get that ball up in the upper play field this isn't too bad uh of course i didn't hit the uh, loop as much as i do a black knight but that's there there you go but the ball is pretty juiced in this and the really, brent nailed it the most dangerous part of this game is when you're launching you really sort of have yeah. to take something off the ball when you launch it because it it 
And it's very unsatisfying when you drain two or three times. It's like, oh, God. Uh, but over... Well, I mean, it's easy to stop once you know it's going to happen, yeah. but it's very frustrating uh, the first few times you do yeah. it. Uh, another thing, uh, you were talking about the jittery ball when you when you have it uh, captured in your flipper. Yeah. That's very true, uh, and, and I, I, I'm guessing that is because they have that roll physics uh, that they have. Uh, but this shot, the, the the game is wants you to shoot these shots on the fly. Yeah. They don't want you to hold. They don't want you to to capture up. So I mean, <laughs> I, that isn't very pinball like, yeah. but. Video pinball, I, I get. I it. will say I printed out the manual to see if they included a lot of stuff in here. They did. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go all the scoring, but they've got all the scoring for drop hitting all the drop targets. Uh, what you get for the hitting the bumper, uh, all the different stuff you can do. It doesn't have everything that the machine does, but they've got a good chunk of stuff to tell you all the what different score uh, point wise. Because if you're gonna play this for points, it does sort of help to know what all the point totals you're going to need are. Oh, sure. I like that was kind of neat. Uh, I mentioned to you that this game did get a, a a pretty hearty release, and this is how good a release it got at the at one of my favorite awards show, the Arkies. Uh, this won the Computer Game of the Year at the fourth Arkie Awards. That shows yep. you uh, the uh, uh, the level of respect that this game uh, demanded. Uh, oh, this is a must yeah. play. I'm not saying you have to run out and buy it, uh, but this is something that you need to to pull down a video uh, an emulator for and, and give it a peek. I think it is definitely a high mark of video pinball of this year. When Atari released uh, Dave's Midnight Magic on the twenty six hundred, uh, it did just call it Midnight Magic. That shtick. It's a it's a totally different table. Uh, and oh yeah, it's don't got play a that. Big, it's got a big uh, <laughs> target right in the middle of the table it's a it, it actually looks pretty good but it's not it doesn't look anything like it's not like a real table it looks more no, like a throwback no, table you know yeah it's still kind of neat that they this game got peddled around plenty of times you know when, when push came to shove uh in terms of ebay oh i should say i looked this up on atari mania they're giving it six and a half out of ten a lot of people oh, i think that's too a low. lot of people didn't like this don't like this game now they said it didn't age well which, you know, I mean, yeah, if you put this up against uh, one of the modern pinball, you know, virtual pinball, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look as good, duh. But, I mean, again, you've got to, and I, I, am I going to say it's my favorite? No. Like, I wasn't as sold on the ball physics as you are, but. Oh, I thought the ball physics were I fantastic. think the ball is a little bit too juiced. But, I mean, I will say one of my problems with the pinball dreams and stuff is the ball is is real limp, real flat. I wish that there needs to be a happy medium uh, in there. But, uh, uh. This game is not as popular now. Like, people just... I don't think people get it. And it's one of those things we've talked about so many times, Brent. It's like, if you weren't around when it came out, you don't understand the what it was, you know, and why it was yeah. popular. Just like, it, it, it reminds me of those After Dark screensavers that were super popular. Like, no one now... Everybody's like, what the hell is that? But, I mean, at the time, you needed a screensaver. They were cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you want to pick this thing up on eBay... Uh, I, I saw the XEGS version going for about... Uh, it's funny, I saw the, the complete in box and the loose carts going for about the same price, around 16 bucks. So, not not bad. Not a bad price if you want to pick this one up. You could do worse, I think, Brent. Any Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't think I would put 16 bucks into this uh, just because, I mean, you're buying it for the history of it. You're not buying it yeah. for the gameplay experience at this point in time. However, uh, I definitely think it's something worth playing. And if I saw it at a yard sale 
and I had a, a computer up that could run it for maybe uh, yeah, seven or eight bucks, maybe even ten bucks with a box. Yeah. I, I would pick Listen, it up. Listen, do Dave, yeah, do David Schneider a favor. Pick up David's Midnight Magic. He probably the royalties have probably dropped down over the past couple years. Help a sucker <laughs> out, man. Hey, really good, good on the guy. Like I said, he 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 saw a winning table and he took it and he went to work with it. That's what I like about it. So I, I like this. It's definitely worth a play. You know, a lot of these games, if you don't even have an emulator, uh, you can go and roll over to archive.org and you can play a whole slew of yes. these classic games. And this is one of them. So I would recommend absolutely. That well, hey, uh, we'd like to thank you guys for uh, checking us out this week on the twelve hundred XL show. Uh, we'll be back at some point in in, in the not too distant future to uh, play another eight bit Atari classic. Uh, and until then, for the Brent, I am Amigo Warren, and we will catch you on the flip side. Go out and play some pinball, yo. Adios. <laughs>